This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. I'm the kind of guy that figures stuff out. Um, I got to do something about that stretching. Did you notice that the video is the, the video is stretching a little bit? I don't like that. It's bad. Uh, yes, I did notice that. Um, I thought it was, I didn't think it was with the video. I thought it was the graphic itself on the video. No, no, it's just the video stretched. Anywho, Sarah, you're in charge now. Go. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, actually, I'm going to turn it over to Tim because today we are talking about building strategies for our business and why they matter. And so Tim's going to take the lead because this was actually an idea he had that I thought was a very, very good idea that every business needs. So Tim, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, and then I know we're all going to be uh, active participants today. So this will be fun. Hi guys. Uh, so um, today we're talking about strategy. I'm here with uh, three other individuals who all have like a lot of experience in that. Um, Jeff's been working on brand brand and marketing strategy for a long time. Uh, Sarah has been working in marketing uh, strategy for a long time and now implements a lot of different, even though she's not working in marketing anymore, she implements a lot of those same techniques in her own business. And Parshel is working on uh, content for uh, educations, um, specifically video. Um, and she helps people like create strategies and then and then use builds de deliverables out of those strategies. Um, so we're in good company today. Um, I wanted to talk about strategy a little bit because uh, in my own uh, in my own work, I notice how clients. I'm surprised at how how clients a lot of times don't build frameworks, don't have a good idea of what their objectives are and don't have a good idea of how they can begin to build like solutions towards meeting those objectives. Um, and so I guess I want to kind of start with Jeff today, just because Jeff's been working a little bit more broadly in strategy. And I wanted to see like what you experience with the clients that you're working with um, and how you help them frame what's important in building strategies and why they should build the strategies. I hope that it, that question is not too broad. No, no. I, and I think broad is a good place to start because I think ultimately the problems that I've seen in the last like decade or more of doing strategy is that the problem is, is a fairly broad problem. It's a problem of definitions uh, as much as anything else, which is that I think when I say goals to some people, what they hear is priorities or things that they want. When I say strategies, what some people hear is tactics. When I say tactics, what some people hear is strategy. So like, I think part of the challenge is, is that based upon your depth of uh, experience in working in strategy, you have a more nuanced understanding of the different components that go into building out a plan and how that works around an objective specifically in business, but it can be in any, in any context. So I would say that the, the first and foremost thing that I've found in helping clients to implement strategies more effectively is to first start out by getting everybody aligned around what we mean by certain terms, what we're trying to get out of it, and really not being afraid to push people. Because I think in my early strategy career, I was a little afraid um, you know, when I was younger to, to push people who were my senior and who had been in business longer, when I said like, you know, tell me what your business goals are, I would be afraid to really push and lean into that and ask them, no, no, really, mm -hmm. I'm going to need you to get more specific than like, we want to be the best in the market, right? Like we have to really define what it is that we want, or we can't actually solve that problem. So I'd say first aligning around the definitions and, and second, um, pressing a little bit more to get specific about things. Now, when you say aligning around definitions, um, do you mean like definitions and like when they give you what their goals and objectives are, you want to get them like really precise into what those what what that means, like what those specific goals mean? Like you is that what you're saying? Partly, I, I would say let me let me retract and rephrase. I'll say what you're looking for is clarity. Right. So clarity on the one hand means if you say that you have a goal, I really want to make sure that I truly understand that. I need to be able to repeat back to you mm -hmm. exactly what it is that you're after. If you tell me who your audience is, I need to be able to understand and repeat that back to you as clearly and as specifically as you know it. Um, so, so on that side of things, yes, there needs to be an understanding and clarity around what you mean when you say something on the other side of it. The part that I was, um, that I was speaking to initially is that when I say strategy, tactic, um, challenges, priorities, objectives, all of these words mean different things to different people because 
Um, we all come from different backgrounds of, you know, usage of different words and, and what our understanding of those words mean. So I'd say what I was referring to is that when I sit down with a client, and we're going to do strategy work. I first, I, I first identify what I mean when I say goals, for instance, when I say, I want to know what your goals are. What that means is I need to know specifically what you want that is measurable, that is attainable, that is relevant and is timely. So, so smart goals, right? I want something that I can define. Did we do it or did we not do it? Saying we want to be the best at X is, is not a measurable thing. It's not a thing that I can say my strategy worked or my strategy didn't work. So to build an objective-based strategy, you have to first get very clear on what objectives mean. Now, they may have different priorities. Like, you know, we want everyone to love coming to work. That could be a priority. Great. We can bake that into how we design our strategy. And we really should if that's an objective, if that's a priority. But that's not an objective. An objective would be uh, we want our internal net promoter score to consistently exceed 9.0. That would be a goal related to the employee engagement. But a priority would be we want everyone to come in and enjoy coming to work right? We, we want 95% participation in um, non-mandatory, you know, employee out of working, uh, you know, events. That would be another way of setting an objective that you could build a strategy around. So I have a philosophy around like how strategy is built. And one of those things is about the objectives. So that's what I meant is like, really, it's about clarity in the definition of the words that you're using. So you're sure that the client understands what you mean, because they can't implement it if they don't understand it. And on the other side, to your point, making sure you understand and are very clear on what they're saying. Um, so I, I think it would be interesting, uh, Parshel, if you could um, speak to this a little bit, because you have a really, really, um, you've really like made your business very specific in the types of clients that you work with. And uh, so when you're like initially begin working with a new client on a new education uh, uh, program, um, do you find that your clients generally are in a space where they have very specific goals and they know really what they want to do? Or are you kind of oftentimes helping them really flesh out what those specifics are? I think at this stage of where we are, we're helping them to flesh it out and to see what's possible. Um, we are kind of getting into a territory that is new. It's kind of, it's new, but it's not being done. And that's an author who has a published work that's successful and then converting it into something else that's even more applicable and can create, you know, passive income for them. And so, um, so with that, I, for now, it seems to be in my conversations to be something to be fleshed out. Um, I have heard one, uh, one bestseller that I had a conversation with who said that his goals necessarily aren't personal anymore. It's not about having a list to check off. It's more of just having an asset that generates revenue. Like that's how he sees this venture. So um, for some people, they do know that. And I think it just depends on what stage they are in their business. He's a bestseller, Whereas another person that I talked to, they're just not sure. They're trying to figure out, is what I have worth uh, going the length and the investment of creating into a course, right? And if they have a successful work, then likely their course will be successful as well. Well, let me ask you about that a little bit, because if you have a client whose goal is to like, they just want to source a passive revenue and they have, have a lot of stuff that they can pull from to create like a course on that, like how, if, if they're really open how do you kind of help them nail down what it is that's going to be the thing that brings them passive income? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's uh, for what we're doing right now, it is some strategy ahead of time that we're starting to implement now to where I want to look at their current audience size. I want to look at um, uh, the necessity of the information that they have. Um, for example, one speaker that we talked to, he's been speaking and training for 10 years, but never made an online course. And it may be that some of the things that he taught maybe aren't relevant anymore. So I think part of it, too, is understanding what's going to be relevant to his current mm. audience and what he sees for uh, the vision of his audience as well in the future. Mm. Um, OK, so, Sarah, like are you can you tell me, based on your experiences when you were working with JKCP, um, how you typically approached new a new add-ons to your business and how you would market them in particular because i know you guys were constantly adding on new 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 things to sell new courses new like new approaches like how did you flesh out how, what your marketing strategy was going to be and like if you were adding stuff all the time i would just call jeff and ask him what he would do no <laughs> no truthfully i did i was lucky enough that i did have 
other people that I relied on, right? Because, you know, I, I'm one person. And so I was, I was, I guess, comfortable enough in my role to know when I needed to consult with other people. When I, you know, eSports was a program that we added. It was one of our fastest growing programs. I knew nothing about eSports. I knew like what the chair looked like and that was it. And so I think it was important that I always knew like who, what are we trying to accomplish? Of course, who is our audience? Does this align with the brand that we already have? Because that was really important. Like we we can't have a, a, a camp in our case that was so far removed from the other camps that we had. So even before taking things on, we went through a checklist that really said, does this align with the bigger mm. brand, the bigger mission, the bigger purpose? From there, then, you know, getting kind of to me, then I needed to know, okay, what do we know about this already? What programs have we already done that are similar, like drawing on past experience and what's worked. And then certainly, you know, as I stated at the beginning, like knowing who to call, who to get involved with, what strategic partners could we have that could help us. But a lot of that was, you know, strategy based because I think, and Tim, you and I have talked about this a lot. It's so easy to think, well, we need a website and we need a video. That's what we need. It's like, well, you don't even know you need that until you know the strategy of how you're going to sell it and what you're trying to accomplish. So I felt like we took, you know, quite a while at the beginning trying to make sure it aligned. It made sense. We had a strategy before we started essentially buying things and, and doing physical marketing tactics. But um, certainly as a marketer, you like that bright, shiny stuff, right? It's so easy for me to call Parshall and say, I want this video. But if I don't know what I'm trying to accomplish by doing that, that could be a real wasted effort. Um, so yeah, strategy is huge in that space. Tim, do you mind if I just add one thing to that that, yeah, that Sarah made me think of? Because Sarah mentioned about, in, in saying all of that, you had mentioned a part about like, does this align with our brand? And I think what, and and also, you know, the the we need a website, we need a video. Is that actually what you need if you think about your marketing strategy? Really alludes to the idea that strategy is not, um, it's not this kind of haphazard thing where it's like, oh, we need a TikTok strategy. It's it's the sort of thing where it's it's almost like building a house where you need to have a foundation and you continually stack on top of that. So it's very difficult to have something like, say, a TikTok strategy if you don't have a brand strategy, for instance. It's very difficult to have an employee engagement strategy if you don't have a leadership and culture strategy, uh, which also rests upon a brand strategy, right? And, and if you don't have a business strategy of like what you're out to do in the world, it's difficult to have a brand strategy. So there's all of these strategies that are kind of laid layering on top of one another that help to take some of the guesswork out of future strategy work. Like when you get down to like, what's our Instagram strategy, you should have about 60% of those questions answered just by looking at your marketing strategy and your brand strategy. Because if you know what you're out to accomplish and what you're out to try and do and how it fits with, uh, how it should fit with other initiatives that you're doing, it sort of starts to write itself. And I, and I think that that's one of the two big dirty secrets of strategy, which is one, it's iterative and it has to build upon foundations. And two, that it's really all about asking questions. And once you ask enough of the right questions, you get to just provide the answer and look like a superhero. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think or just, just one more thing on that point. I think companies and, and brands and, and individuals waste so much time chasing what they think they need or what they heard is shiny and new like TikTok what is really aligning with your with your goals and i think that foundation part is so critical because we think we need stuff but if we don't really analyze it we're going to waste a lot of time effort and energy for sure yeah and like you said jeff 60% of those questions come from your strategy and what you already know versus you just having to repeat yourself all the time with every single vendor everybody that uh, you need to come on board to help with it um, it's all done because it's already laid as the foundation. Um, and the, the thing that comes to mind too, when I think of strategy for some reason is sports. It's like going into a game, you have a strategy of what's, what's going to happen that day uh, on the court, you know? Yeah. And if everybody is not on the same, if one person didn't hear the strategy, you know, you could completely lose the whole game, especially down to the, the points that really matter. You know what I mean? So um, I think this is such a good conversation. I'm like soaking it up, taking notes. <laughs> So, and you also mentioned um, like all the layers of the strategy, like you need a business strategy, you have a brand strategy, you need a brand strategy, you have marketing and like a culture, uh, internal culture strategy. Um, if 
I, I know you work with a lot of different groups and you come in at a lot of different stages in the development of those businesses or nonprofits. So like, how, how do you approach it if you're kind of like walking into the middle, let's say the middle of the game as Parshel was mentioning before, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, how do you recommend they move forward if they don't necessarily have all those foundational pieces firmly in place? Yeah, I mean, more often than not, I don't get to start at the beginning. It's very rare that I get the opportunity to work with a client and they're like, okay, what do I need? And I get to be like, well, let's start with your business and brand. And it doesn't work like that too often. More often than not, especially given my background in social media marketing and, and running the agency and everything, people come to me and they're like, hey, we need marketing help. We need a marketing strategy. So I'm almost always coming in at that phase. And I see that as being four or five steps down because there's so many things that that relies upon. So yeah, I get brought in and, and I get hired to do that. And that's what they hired me for. So that's what we're going to do. But it's my job to also point out the other gaps that they have that they need to start thinking about, right? So it's it's not so much like a sequential thing, but there are a number of things in a brand strategy, I'd say, that will help in a marketing strategy. There are also things in a marketing strategy that could help you in a brand strategy. But I, I think there is a sequence that I've grown very, very comfortable with. Um, but typically what will happen is if I come in and I'm, we're doing marketing strategy and we're talking about, you know, well, what social media channels should we want? What type of content? What sort of this? I start asking brand questions. And when it seems like they're not quite clear on that, then we have an opportunity to, to kind of piecemeal together a part of that strategy, right? Well, let's get clear on what your brand messaging is. And then that becomes a scope of work that we can work on. And that then informs other things that they might need. I might learn after that, like, okay, we've done that brand strategy and messaging part and we're doing the marketing part. And now you're asking me about, you know, uh, how should we deploy our team and, and manage our resources internally? And then I say, well, okay, well, let's talk about, let's talk about your leadership and company culture and how do those things fit together? Do you have the right pieces in place? What sort of responsibilities do you want people to do? What are the things that you value as a company? That comes from brand strategy. So it's, again, it's about asking a lot of the right questions and you don't always get the opportunity to do it in the sequence that makes the most sense. You sometimes have to kind of jump around, but I, I think that it's the job of any strategist to, it's like the, uh, what's the, those signs in the New York subway. If you see something, say something like yeah. that's my job as a strategist. I feel like is that if I go in and I see something, you don't have to do the work with me. You don't have to sign up to do additional strategy, but I'm, I'm going to tell you about it because I think that it's a weakness and it's a thing that if you got it taken care of, you know, I think it would benefit you and your business. So that tends to be how I do it. I do what I'm hired for, but I always point out everything that I see that I think would be useful. And occasionally if I can't do my best work because that thing is missing, I'll just do that thing. I'll be like, I did your brand messaging for you. It's this. I've listened to you. It's this. Review it. Let me know if that works. Well, I, and I would imagine like, because there are a lot of very large complex organizations out there that it, that the vast majority of them have kind of like an adaptive approach to like it like to building out their strategies because they because i i'm just gonna assume that a most most companies like haven't fleshed it out in that sort of like foundational layered way so like if they bring in a jeff jeff is going to work adaptively to kind of like like fix, adjust, move things around, help flesh out things that may not have been fleshed out. And then at some point, Jeff might leave and it's better than it was, but you know what I mean? Like, but it's not like they're going to rebuild it from the ground up. Like, I'm going to assume that just happens like the vast majority of the time. Like Sarah, when you came to JKCP, JKCP, um, you were, you were very young at the time. And that was a, that was a company like a, a long legacy. Um, I'm assuming like just things weren't always perfect there. But, you know, and but as you work there, you try to flesh things out a little bit more than they were otherwise. Is that does that sound right? Yeah. And I think what's important is Jeff saying companies have sort of a set of a set of norms, a set of, of cultural things that happen there. You have a brand, whether you like it or not, like your brand could be it could be terrible, but you have one. Right. Because your brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. So I think companies get stuck sometimes thinking like, well, this is what. We don't we don't have that. It's like, well, sometimes you do, but you actually don't even have an awareness of what it is. So I think it's really important to one, really write these things down, work with, you know, there's three people on this call that could really help you with this. Like, um, you know, I guess I could help you also. But, you know, how can you really understand what those things mean for your organization? 
That's the first thing, right? Know what it is. The second though, is about being flexible enough to change over time. And so I think some companies can get really set in their ways and almost stagnant in their brand, their procedure, how they do things. So it's sort of like one foot should be firm and know who you are and have that really as a part of your company culture. But the other is to be nimble and flexible enough that when technologies change, when new, new uh, social media is available, to be able to use the brand that you have and, and the, the, the strategies you have established, but then be open and willing enough to, to have new ones come in. So I would say it's maybe, you know, 70% set and and 30% needs to be flexible. And I think that's one thing that made us really successful as an organization is we were really able to ebb and flow kind of with the times. So it was a it was challenging sometimes. Sometimes it was um hard, you know, like how do we even do this? But you know it's I think it's just really important to for companies to keep that and keep that in perspective. And also like I imagine like if there are any like uh like people who are vendors for companies out there and they're running small businesses who are working with other larger businesses like most of us here like you're not exact not everybody's going to be talking about brand with the company or they're not going to be talking about marketing strategy with the company like you might be like for instance uh you and jeff right now are working on asana projects um uh and sarah you're working on uh productivity solutions for for individuals and companies at the moment and strategies for implementing like let's say hypothetically a new productivity system um, is going to be important there. Like uh, even though like that, that's a very specific objective you have there, like how you implement the, those, those new processes are also going to require some strategy. And if you don't have strategy, I'm assuming they're going to fall apart or not be successful or not stick. Um, so what, what like specifically with, let's say like, so productive, um, what's the importance of strategy for for your clients in those very specific areas that you're working with people on yeah and I, I i have to credit this to jeff a lot because so much of it is about frameworks so to me it's about having really a, a system a, a strategy and a system to give clients that makes it easy that they can remember it and actually do it because i can give you all the tips and tricks and hacks in the world but if you don't have a strategy and an implementation plan to apply that in your real life then you know you should have just not paid me and googled that stuff and read about it there's a ton of information out there but i think when you're hiring a professional to really help you it's because you need a plan a strategy to actually implement what you're working on and and jeff does just wonderful work around frameworks and i think that's another way to think about strategy it's like a a framework from which we we work within and and they can change and they can be adjustable but it's kind of always there for you to for you to draw on the other big thing with strategy is it always for me comes back to why are we doing this why are we doing this in the first place? And so often I think strategy really provides our reasons and our insight for doing what we're doing. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll add for the relative to the super productive and how strategy works for us there is that I think one thing that Sarah and I, I, to our, I think to the credit of what we put together here is that we built it on some sort of foundational principles. So one of the nice things about that is that it means that we don't have to reinvent the wheel each and every time we're working with someone. This is kind of the importance of brand. One of the things that I think is central to the brand of super productive um, is that we want to make something that is easy, that is easy to uh, adapt, um, and that is flexible and usable for people based on the way it is, but that fits within a variety of different sort of set frameworks that we use. So we have like three or four or five different ways that we could apply productivity systems, but they all are built upon a foundation of like, we want you to get more done at work so that you can go home and relax and spend time with the people you care about. That's at the center of what it is for us. Mm. And part of what makes that possible is that you have to strategically, in order to get people to do that, you have to build systems that are easy to use which uh, makes them easy to adapt, right? People are not going to adapt, uh, adopt and adapt to a system if it's not easy enough to use because we all use enough tools and, and technologies at work that if, it, if the new thing that you have to use is complex and you have to learn it and you could go back to your old way of doing it uh, at, because that's easier because you're familiar with it, then the system is not gonna work at the company. So we've tried to build out systems and we don't add new systems until we're sure that kind of passes that smell test of like, 
Is this easy to use? Could anybody use this sort of a system? Is it something that we think people will adopt and therefore be able to adapt to and bring it into their, their course of doing things? And because of that, we believe that that will make them more productive and allow them to go home and spend time with those that they love because they got enough done. Now, I'm assuming like, uh, let's say hypothetically, there was a different um, different system that they had, a different productivity system or CMS or something like that, that they had prior to whatever you guys are implementing. Um, I'm assuming like, uh, there's always going to be like a learning curve to some extent, no matter how easy you make it. So I'm sure there's some level of like, well, here's the value of implementing this thing, which is going to make you go through that, even if it's small, like that, like, oh, I'm going to learn this, even though like, it's easy for me to just go back to what I was doing before. Yeah. And I bet every single person on this call could probably comment to this in their, in their own unique way of doing work with clients. But like, if they come to you and it's like, like, let's just take like a cooking example, right? They come and they want to learn how to make pizza and they come and they've brought like mayonnaise and a variety of other, you're like, we have to rebuild this. Right. So if they come in with a productivity system and it's a complete mess, like we can't really slightly adapt that we may have to burn the whole thing to the ground and rebuild it. Now, mm -hmm. It's not about what you had. It's about what you need. It's about what you want to get to, right? So if we understand what their objectives are, regardless of what they brought in, we can build a thing that gets them to where they need to go, even if it's rebuilding it from scratch. And I'm sure Parshel can comment on this with online courses. Like people might come in and say, oh, I want to build a course on, you know, making baskets. And she might say, well, I don't know if that's going to be profitable. And also you have a lot more content about content marketing. Maybe we should do that, right? So you kind of have to advise the client based upon your understanding of what it is that they're trying to accomplish what they have as assets and, and um, you know, um, liabilities, things that they'll make it either challenging or make it easier for them. And they advise them the best thing to do. I also always tried to do that when I was in a marketing role is to explain. So vendors would say to me all the time, wow, no one's ever sent us all the marketing assets and the brand and all that as quickly. Cause I just had it on Google drive and I shared the link, right? Like I had that stuff locked and loaded, ready to go. On the other side of that equation, though, I was always saying to them, if if there's something I'm missing, if there's something that you think of that I don't see, tell me like, yes, I, I've organized it. I have this all together. But I always wanted to be open to as you know, as Jeff's saying, like, what do, what do I need here? You know what? I, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. You help me understand what I need or what I might be missing. And I think with strategy, it's important that you don't get locked and set. It's it's really about, you know, being uh firm in what you have, but, but open to it as, you know, as I was saying before, but I think that that's can be really challenging for, for companies, but you know, knowing what you need, I think that's where a vendor can really help you determine what's possible for you in strategy. Uh, so Parshel, um, when you were fleshing out, uh, what your offerings were going to be for your business in particular, um, what kind of like led you specifically down there and what frameworks did you like, is there a reason that you went down that direction based on like the frameworks that you were working with? And I actually don't, not sure if that makes total sense. I guess what I'm trying to get to is like, how did you build systems that made sense for what you wanted to do? Like when you started, was it, uh, was it kind of like a very loose and you were just kind of like, like doing every, was everything like super customized and then you kind of narrowed stuff down or did you start from like a, like a really strong foundation? Yeah, I, I definitely started from a strong foundation. I feel like because everything about this business is also, it's like a, it's a marriage between what is needed, right? What's helpful, but then also like what I want to do as a creative <laughs> And like, that's at the end of the day, that's the foundation. So the, the culture and the values that we're infusing into this are authenticity, right? Being in your flow, your superpower, your genius. Like I grew up in church and um, there were, you know, the ushers that are supposed to greet you for whatever reason, I was, I was confused. Like, why did they put the meanest person in church to welcome people, mm. <laughs> you know, like put people where they need to be. And I just learned at an early lesson, like, okay, they shouldn't be in the choir. They should be over here. Like, and I just would re reorganize every, where everybody was in church in my head, according to what they did best. And it's just like, with this, I get to do that too. And uh, really bring that together with who we work with. So for us, it's, it's definitely built on that foundation. It's more, it's informing our brand. It's informing how I show up. I feel more connected to my identity at this stage in my career. And it's just, it's like all these things are sort of compounding on each other. And then the fact that I used to teach, it's like, well, damn, like this, this is too good. 
I cannot do this. It feels so right. It feels so good. And that's the foundation that this is going off of right now. I don't know if you experienced this in particular, but um, so, like I really admire like how you're approaching your business. And, and over the next few years, I want to I want to kind of like move it into that, like a very specific direction, my business into a more specific direction. Um, but like because I feel like one of the biggest like strengths and weaknesses of creatives is that like you always want to do new things. But if you're always doing new things, you can't get really good at anything in particular and, or like maybe not anything in particular, but like, you know what I mean? Like there's always like, oh, that really looks really cool. I want to learn how to do that. And I want to like sell that, you know what I mean? Or do this for my customers or something like that. So like, how have you been able to kind of like, like keep, like keep doing things that feel novel and creative and new to you? while also like implementing like a very, I don't want to say rigid, but a very like strong structure to your business. I think it's, it, I think it, it boils down to, for me, just um, like I said, choosing myself at the end of the day and what, what I feel really excited about doing. Um, but there's also this element of like, for like what you just asked, like as a creative, we like to do new things all the time. Um, and, and for me, I had to kind of look back at all the things that do excite me to find the common thread. And I think that's what it took. And I, I noticed that I'm really into learning. Like I dig if the person that I'm filming actually knows what they're talking mm. about and, you know, and it's just, what, what are the things that sort of came together for me and what I enjoy, like what entertains me, um, and things like that. And I started to just kind of see this common thread. Uh, as, as a creative. And so now going into content creation, like we're just about to launch next week, our first series of a, of, of a series, content series that I'm doing. Um, and my coach, he specifically gave me a container. He says, I want you to put together a series of 10 things. Like it would be a series of 10. And I, I thought to theme it and it just was this whole thing. And it came together because it was a container for me to create in. Does that make sense? Like I knew I could do 10. So now I'm thinking about the next 10 and it's going to be much different from the first 10. Because for me to start to keep doing the same things over and over again, I get bored, I get out of touch with it. And it's just like, all right, whatever. Yeah, so to have yeah. something new for me to do is also, I'm just noticing that. And so um, I'm trying to find ways to also build that in what we do um, you know, as a company. So and as as Parshaw was talking about that, Jeff, I was thinking about like your approach to business because in a lot of ways, even though you don't work specifically in like like classical creative field, uh, you're you're kind of you kind of operate in the same way in the sense that like you're interested in all these things and you and your work ends up touching all these things. Yet, like if you were talking to or selling yourself to a potential client, like you can really clearly define like the kind of work that you're doing. I mean, I guess depending on what 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 you're selling that day. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as Parshall was talking, I was like, that's literally how I approach what I would call non-creative work. I mean, I, I think all work is creative to a certain extent, but yeah. I think I, to your point, I don't think I would traditionally be defined as a creative um, because I do a lot of strategy. I do, I mean, the creative is some of the writing and the copywriting and brand, brand messaging and things like that. But um, I, I am limitless in my interests. So I think of everything that I learn has a potential to be valuable in some way or another. So while I've been doing strategy now for more than a decade, the shape that that strategy has begun to take and the way that I'm able to see how things connect consistently expands. So whether I'm, you know, I could be learning about philosophy and the structure of logical arguments that now uh, informs maybe how I present uh, an idea and how I, I use, you know, present an idea with copywriting, let's say um, I could or how I coach, for instance. Um, I could be learning about something in science and that could in some way inspire me to go and watch a video and that video could inspire a creative concept for a video for that client. Or I might just, you know, a lot of times, one of the things that I've noticed um, that I do um, is I'll be talking with the client about something like, oh, it's like this video or like this thing and I'll, or a website. I just yeah. have like an endless bucket of examples of things that I've seen and I bring them to the forefront and they have absolutely nothing to do with what the client was asking about or talking about. But I'm like, it's not about, it's about the format, like try and imagine your content, but in this format or like see that movement that they're doing there. It's like that. So I guess my point is, is that whatever work you're doing, everything that you learn, anything that you do will naturally increase the scope and scale of what it is that you're able to offer to your clients. And it may not be immediately evident, 
But like the thing I think about all the time is like when I was in my late teens, I used to work in retail and learning how to fold shirts and pants. Uh, my closet is now absolutely beautiful. And it causes me to watch a lot of stuff like Marie Kondo and read books on minimalism and this and that. And I've learned stuff from that. For instance, uh, I read a book on uh, organization and decluttering that I sent over to Sarah because it has a framework and a concept that I thought was really interesting. Had I never worked in retail and folded my shirts, I might never actually be this type of person whose closet is immaculate, by the way. Um, and I wouldn't have come upon that framework to send over to Sarah to inform the productivity work that we're doing together. So I just see it as anything that you learn. If you approach your work creatively, you're able to connect the dots between just about anything that you're doing. Yeah, I love that. It's like everything that we've absorbed, right? I, I was reading this um, this article, <clears throat> which says like, you know, our bodies, our DNA and everything, it's like, it's just recording tapes all the time. Even the things that we're not aware of, we're actually learning and it's being taken in as memory all the time. And I think that where you are, your environment is going to give you different information that, like you said, pours into your creative work and just your ability to even talk to people. I don't know how, it, it's like, I feel like because I've, been around so many different people in different places I feel like I can talk to anybody you know mm -hmm. and find some way to relate to them so even when it comes to in business just being able to connect with people just when you're just more well-rounded outside of just what you do for work I mean that'll really drive you know connection rapport and all that stuff that you need to do your work too 100%. My, actually, the thing that I tell people all the time, because people talk to me about podcasting a lot, they'll ask me questions because I've been doing it since like 2013. I'll be like, oh, well, did you monetize it in audience? And I'm like, nah. you get to talk to amazing people. They will like set aside an hour to talk to you. And you like, if that's not reason enough, and what I've gotten out of that is that I've gotten the opportunity to, to speak with everyone from like marketers and salespeople to sex therapists, to, um, you know, bankers to like, I've, I've talked across the gamut and kind of Parshall's point, I feel like just engaging in that and being curious, which I think is part of this creative concept that we're talking about here is like, Tim, you're talking about being curious. You see something cool and you want to learn how it works, right? I see people that way. I talk to people on my podcast. I'm like, oh my God, you're interesting. Like, let me learn about you. And I think if you take that kind of curious attitude towards whatever you're doing, you know, if we take it back again to strategy, you're going to be more well-rounded and be able to adapt when you're working with a client of any sort. Also, I was just going to say on that, on as far as like intake is concerned on uh, uh, intake of information and new ideas and new concepts and new way of living, like there's, there's something to be said for um, having a structure in a lot of different areas of your life because you can kind of like maximize the benefit that you get out of all these intakes. Um, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I, I don't know if you guys can help me out a little bit, but I'm, I'm just thinking like, for like, you can like kind of like wander around and randomly intake different things. But if you have like have certain areas that you're interested in, like you guys were mentioning, and you have certain goals in mind, like you can intake specific content to feed like certain outcomes. And I think there's also like, there's definitely a benefit to having like um, spontaneous, like serendipitous, like, like things hit you all the time. Like, I don't know, there's this actually this PBS series on, uh, on uh, YouTube, it's called Eons. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it mm. just kind of like goes through, um, it kind of like, like talks about random stuff that's happened on the earth's history. Like for instance, there was this period of like 2 million years where it just rained on earth everywhere all the time. And it talked about like the outcomes that happened. Uh, there was this, they had this one on pandemics, I think. And uh, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to uh, like out of the way, but like it was essentially, it was talking about how um, there was yellow fever in Haiti and the yellow feet and the, uh, the French soldiers who occupied Haiti at the time, this was during the colonial era, led to like, like, like they lost 85% of their military. Haiti became independent. And, um, and, and then the French decided to sell uh, the Louisiana purchase to, to the United States because they could no longer defend it because all their military got wiped out on, in, in the Americas. And it was all because of uh, like, like this, this, this disease that was like killed their soldiers from, uh, from, uh, from mosquitoes. And it's that's like, wild. just like, like, and, and like the, the whole series has stuff like that. And I know I'm going on a random tangent, but like, that's just one thing where I just like, I get high when well, not literally high, I get high from watching that. And, and, uh, and it's just kind of like the serendipitous thing that I ran into. And it makes me think about how little things can have really dramatic effects on everything from your work to your life to other things. You know what I mean? Like There's that one a... person. Yeah. 
Sorry, I, was, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was no, going to say there's, there's a TED talk called Where Great Ideas Come From or Where Good Ideas Come From, I forget. And it talks about how, um, I forget the guy who did it, but um, he talks about how essentially most people think of like, you know, genius or like big ideas coming from like, you know, the, there was a Galileo sitting under Newton sitting under the tree and the, the apple falling. Yeah, yeah, head, right? Like, yeah. like a bolt of inspiration. Right. But what it turns out is that it happens in environments where ideas of uh, differing ideas and opinions collide together. So he talks about the importance of like the pub and like coffee shops yeah. and how these are environments where new ideas come together because you're basically colliding together different perspectives. And that's what, where creativity comes from is from the collision of differing ideas and putting something in a context in which it doesn't belong. That's one of the the contexts of creativity. So I think you're right on with that. It's like, there's a connection between all of these different things. And as a strategist, I, I guess just, for myself, I, I find that I have a major um, propensity. I'm drawn to that. I'm drawn to like finding connections and things that are so wildly apart from one another. Um, and I love trying to make those connections. Yeah, I think that's where, that's where strategy though is like so impactful because when you, when you have a general strategy at play, like for your business, let's say a business strategy, when those ideas come up, instead of being like, oh, I don't know how that aligns or I don't know how that's going to fit in. You can figure out how it's going to fit in or you can more quickly say, no, that's not going to work. And I think that's where like those ideas collide with strategy is really where you make some really good business decisions to either do something or to not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see like that. that um, uh, I, I don't know. You know when you see like a um, uh, a television show that like has just these like specific characteristics of it you're like oh i've kind of seen this before but it's like done in a new way and which which makes it stimulating and then i'm like like hooked on it like i imagine like businesses often operate that way where they'll offer like like a like let's say hypothetically their primary services here but they have a but because they combined it with this one thing suddenly everybody sees it as this like oh wow that's an inspiring new thing like uh like let's say like the ipod when it first came out there were digital mp3 players like well before the ipod came out i i think even the zoom was like pre-ipod but like the no zoom was after oh zoom was after oh okay. yeah zoom was after Whoa. it was uh like sandisk or some of the other ones that were before it but well, the Zoom like, was a response to it. Yeah. Well, there were definitely like smartphones before the iPhone and there were digital MP3 players before before the iPod. And but when like when the iPod came out, it, it had combined like a certain like set of uh, like just form and function into it that just made people be like, oh, that's the one. And then uh, and then like the rest ends up being history. Um, and, and it like, you know, those kind of things can shake up the marketplace. Uh, I, I mean, like if you look at social media now and all the different ways that you can advertise like digitally nowadays, like you can create some like really creative strategies towards like getting your, getting like getting your, your product ideas, services across, you know, like that's something that I'm personally really interested in right now is like, how are all the ways that you can use these new platforms that communicate in like different ways uh, to, you know, use like, let's say video in a different way, you know what I mean? Or just like kind of like, reinvent these old technologies for like new, new platforms. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, uh, so what are you guys obsessed with this week? Well, I am in my final days up in Rhode Island. So I am kind of obsessed right now with like taking it in <laughs> because I've been here for a month and it's been just, the most wonderful experience and I Tim and Jeff were able to come visit me up here which was awesome but I like I really am trying to be present in these moments like I I always try to be but I feel like when you have this looming like I'm going home in a couple of days it's just you know this morning I went over to the to the cliff walk which mm. we did and I was standing at the ocean like okay, I've got 48 hours left and, and it's it's uh, wonderful and I'm blessed and privileged to be able to do this. But I think what I'm trying to always do and help clients do is like be in this moment and be on the journey. And I, I coached a client this morning, very motivated. And she's like, but I want to be here. And I'm like, right, but like the journey is part of it. And I just, I think that's cool. And I think that's, that's something I'm certainly trying to do, you know, in the next few days, but always, it's just been like a good reminder for me lately, like 
this is part of it. Enjoy it. It's not about always where you're going. Sometimes it's about where you are. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I remember you saying to me, Sarah, uh, not long ago, like, Oh, it, like this is just a season or something, right? Like you kind of referred to it as like the, the ebbs and flows of running your own business and all these different things is like, Oh, well, this is a season, right? Like maybe it's a high season. Everything's going really well, or maybe it's a low season and things aren't going so great. Um, so that really resonates with me and, and sort of what you're focused on is kind of similar to what I'm focused on. Um, I had a number of projects that wrapped up um, towards uh, end of May. So I kind of kicked off June with a slower schedule and I decided not to kind of follow up too aggressively on anything that was coming in uh, so that I could have a little bit more time. My parents are in from Mexico. So similarly, what I'm obsessed with right now is just um, giving myself the space to not be like ultra productive and not like really pushing myself and pushing myself like I normally do and just appreciating the time that I have uh, with them up here. I haven't seen them in, in person in uh, three years, they're getting to see my, uh, my daughter for the first time, which is like just warming the deepest cockles of my heart. Um, and then, you know, I'm trying to take a little bit of time to do some things professionally, mostly trying to, um, you know, catch up on some of the projects that I've been working on for myself. And right now I'm obsessed with active campaign, uh, cause I'm moving all of my email marketing from MailChimp to active campaign. So if you're on my email list, expect that you're getting, uh, an email that says, Hey, this is the end of MailChimp. Welcome to active campaign. Uh, and I'm really obsessed with the different things that that can do. Uh, so that's been my professional obsession. My personal obsession is uh, hanging out with my dad, my stepmom, and my daughter, and my wife, of course. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I think I shared with Jeff this organization or as a company called Cave Day. I think it is Cave Day. And essentially what it is, is these uh, sessions where you can join in with a group of other people who are showing up to hold each other. Well, you, you get there and you share what you're going to accomplish in that sprint. And then someone just basically guides a work sprint and it's a bunch of people on there. That has been really cool. And I actually had the idea for it with, with Jeff when we were in Philly. We did it four uh, years ago, I think, was when we started. Yeah. That. Yeah. I was like, I just want to just have a place where I can work with people uh, it was weird. Like I would show up to uh, like a coffee shop or think to go to a coffee shop or something, but I would want to bring a friend, but not to hang out and talk, but to work, you know, like, Hey, let's go work. And at the time, not many people took me up on that offer as much as I wanted to go and do that. Um, and so I thought maybe we could create it. Um, and that was the idea we had then, but to see it kind of done in this way, it's really cool. And it's just been helpful because that's what I've had wanted all this time. So I do get to meet people who from all over and you just say, all right, this is what I'm focused on today. We give each other a high five and everything is timed. You, you know, if you sign up for three sprints in a row, they kind of guide even when to take a break and all this. So it's just kind of cool to do with other people. I find that that's like supportive and helpful to me. Um, and then on a personal side, because that's like on a professional because I've been getting shit done. But on a uh, personal side this weekend, I'll be in Virginia to see my family. Cool. And that'll be cool. So I haven't seen them probably, it feels like, I think it's been like a year or so. So I'll get to see basically all of my family. I'm the only one out here on the West Coast. <laughs> so literally my mom, sister, brother, and their husband's wife and six grandkids all live like within 20 or 30 minutes from each other. So it'll be cool to see everybody and have a good time and to enjoy it. Parshel, we had something. We were on to something. And Sarah, know, you're, you're on to something with the Productivity Power Hours. Do not yes. stop. Keep yeah, pushing on it. Stop that. Oh, my Parshel God. and I were both WeWork members at the time. And we spun up a website, weworkonweekends.co. Yeah. And yeah. we were trying to do like these four-hour sprints on Saturdays where like you yep. come in, hang out with us. And Parshel and I would work on our own stuff. But we'd also be there to kind of facilitate and coach and like provide strategy and like guidance. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like, we, we probably put in like 30% of the effort into it that we probably put into like <laughs> virtually anything we do nowadays, but yeah. we were definitely onto something way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. Story. So thanks for, saying, thanks for saying that, yeah. Jeff, the, pro the productivity power hours have been awesome. And like the people, I think it's hard for people to know that they want it or need it. And then the people that have done it with me, they're like, oh my gosh, I got so much done. It was 52 minutes. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Mm. Yep. Totally. That's awesome. Yes, I, I didn't know about that, so I, I want to hear what that's about too. So yeah, for sure. Really Tim, cool. yes. Tim, what are you into? Um, so I guess there are uh, two things too. Um, on a personal level, I've been watching. I found these um, this uh, YouTube series. It's called like uh, JCS. It's like a criminal psychology um, YouTube series, and they have all these. Uh, they have all these like released 
interrogations of uh, people who murdered other people on there. And they walk you through like the, the, the interrogation tactics they use and what like the psychology of the people that are going through them. And it's really, it's not really creepy. It's just like fascinating and weird to see like how different people react to these like stressful circumstances where they've probably been caught, but they can't prove that they've been caught. And they're trying to like control their nervous system to not like tip the police off. And by trying not to tip the police off, they're really tipping the police off that they're, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, that's really cool. That's been really It's like real life mind hunter. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's not like the cases aren't usually serial killers. They're just like yeah. some jackass who like, you know, murdered somebody. But um uh it's um anyways, and then and then on a professional level, um uh Parshall, I don't know if you use After Effects or use um uh roto brushing. I was just talking to Jeff about this yet, but the the 2021 version of After Effects has this roto brushing tool which you can essentially like cut out things from your video like you can in photoshop and like move it over to something else or change the background or or something like that and it's just created like this whole new options of these different things that i can do in videos so i've been really enjoying that and it's like really smart so like in the past they've had these tools but like you'd have to almost go frame by frame to fix it you know what i mean because it would it would look weird but the new one that came out is like they like they're implementing some like ai technology to it and it can kind of like figure out what you're trying to do and so it'll help you like frame by frame go through and make sure the tracking is fine so you can like cut out like people from your thing and and then like if you want to put text behind it or just like put them on a different background you can do that too um it's it's surprisingly fast um i don't think it's like fast enough for me to want to do it on every project yet but it's like it's it's still really cool and i'm looking forward to different things i can do with it that's awesome um, so yeah, that's it for today. Um, thank you for joining the uh, the uh, the Hero Council. Um, we're looking for we're gonna not be here next week, right? Because it's uh, July Fourth weekend. So, but we'll be back the week after that, and we're gonna have an episode on. Uh, we were talking about motivation, and uh, so we're gonna do an episode on motivation when we get back. Cool. Um, yeah. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, and uh, remember to uh, like, subscribe, follow, et cetera, et cetera, on all our platforms. And you can download this podcast um, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, did I miss anything? No, I think that's it. Although I'm cool. way behind on uploading podcast episodes. So those of you that tune in live, you're getting the good stuff and you're not going to be behind. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see you guys next time.